Welcome to the Marketing Strategy Talks podcast, where we interview some of the best marketers from around the world and uncover their strategies for rapid growth. I'm your host and founder of MarketingStrategy.com, Ian Luck. Hello, all you marketers out there. My name is Ian, and you're listening to another Marketing Strategy Talk. And recently, I had the pleasure to sit down with Daniel Murray of Service Titan. Daniel is the Senior Marketing Operations Manager, and he possesses an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to marketing. In our talk, we dive into the non-linear path that has led him to marketing, what his tech stack looks like at Service Titan, what's been an absolute game changer for him and his team this year, and yes, even how he's managed to more than double his following on LinkedIn in just a few short months. This talk is absolutely loaded with marketing nuggets, and I know you're gonna love Daniel's approach on things. So without further ado, let's dive into the talk. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and visit us at marketingstrategy.com where you'll find the most effective strategies for rapid growth for marketers by marketers. Till next time. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me on another uh, Marketing Strategy Talk. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So uh, just diving right in here, man. I think um, we're going to talk about a lot of things in this uh, talk today, but I really wanted to start off with one of your posts that you had recently, which was basically something along the lines of like, hey, Harvard is charging a shit ton of money, like 50K for their online courses, but here's all the things you need as a marketer to learn without going to Harvard. And I love that post. I think it blew up over 2,200 likes and comments and things like that. Um, but what was like the m- most significant piece of either content or a book or an article that leveled up your game as a marketer? I think it wasn't even content or a book. I think the biggest thing that leveled me up was learning by doing. Um, when I started my first couple of jobs, I just kept asking for more and more work. I kept deciding to go to different departments and asking them to give me stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that helped me the most. And then Obviously, there I got book recommendations over time, and that helped me refine things. But I think, as a marketer, it's being in in the trenches, learning is the best way to. Yeah, so let's let's unpack that because I I completely agree. There's nothing that can replace experience. Um, That's been one of those themes that I've been just seeing over and over again. Um, So, how did you get to where you're at? So, you're senior marketing operations manager at Service Titan, but what was the journey along that way? Like, give us some examples of kind of in the trench marketing that you've you've kind of run into. Yeah, it was very nonlinear. So, um, coming out of college, I was like, I just want a marketing job. There was not many marketing jobs in San Diego, so I was like, okay, let me just take a job. And it was a job learning marketing automation. It was like you can get certified and start consulting on this. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Marketing, um, and a software, like this is really cool. So I started actually becoming a marketing automation consultant for Pardot. Um, so I worked for an agency that basically did, implemented Pardot for other companies, mm-hmm. helped them like use it. Um, and then I decided, I was like, okay, I love, working with companies. I love learning all about their businesses, but I can't see results at one company. So I decided to take a leap and move to Los Angeles um, to work for a startup. And I think working for a startup was where my first startup that I worked for at Snack Nation at Los Angeles was like probably the biggest learning. It was like 
my CMO was like hardcore direct response marketer. Um, yeah. He like was an expert copywriter. He was in the trenches with us. He knew, he followed Gary Halbert and Russell Brunson, all these big names that you hear. Um, and I just got all these learning from like five, we had a team of like five to six good mar- demand gen marketers and all was just like learning together and growing mm-hmm. together. And I think that experience like helped me like broaden my marketing experience. Um, and then I moved on to Oracle, which I don't even want to talk about Oracle. The big companies are yeah. not where it's at. Um, in my opinion, it's good for some people, just not for my type of I'm with um, marketing. And then I went to another startup in LA where I just ran all marketing automation and um, operations, learned a lot about like ICP and segmentation and using data to target the right customers and um, love that. Um, but I still wanted this like to be around, learn from a great marketers. And that's what led me to Service Titan where I, I see like I'm surrounded with a great director senior director of demand gen, a great VP of marketing. Um, I work with them daily. Um, and this marketing operations role, it's not the typical marketing operations role because um, I have someone on my team who isn't, we have an analyst who handles the data and mm-hmm. I have people handling the tech stack and I'm more in the weeds of finding out how to optimize the pipeline, optimize revenue, looking at different channels to see where we're screwing up all the way through the funnel. So um, this has been probably one of the best experiences I've had besides Snag Nation. That's great, man. That's That mirrors my experience. I've done the big company thing. I've done the startup thing. Um, something about the startups where you kind of just have to do it all <laughs> is mm-hmm. super immersive. You learn so much quicker, you fail quicker, um, but you get to kind of experience a bunch of different things that where you, when you work at a company like an Oracle or in my case, CIT Bank, which is a SIFTY organization, it's basically too big to fail. I'm pretty sure Oracle is around there at this point, uh, that, <laughs> that level. Um, it just, you get one area, right? You do one thing and you're completely um, dedicated to that one thing. You don't really get to kind of spread your wings and, and go and bounce around and try different things. So I'm, I'm with you on the startup thing. I agree. Big company is not where it's at, for at least for me either. Um, but <laughs> so diving into service type, you mentioned that you're optimizing, you're looking for like, uh, revenue optimization, things that are working, things that aren't. Give me like one thing that is crushing it for Service Titan right now from a marketing standpoint. I think um, when I came on, we started doubling tri- and tripling down on content. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the reason why it's not really a channel, but it helps every channel like evolve. And I think that's where we started crushing it. Um, and it's helped our paid social, it's helped our um, SDRs and MDRs align them with more contact to, um, content to distribute. It mm-hmm. allows the AEs to use the content. So I think doubling down on content creation has like exponentially helped every single channel that we have. I think our total, our, our total CAC payback is awesome, but looking at even every channel, if you see like paid social has gone up, SEM has gone up and everything has gone up just because we're doubling and doubling, tripling down on content. Nice. 
Now, would you say you're on the uh, quality or the quantity side? It sounds like you guys are pushing out more, but I mean, if you guys had to pick a side, what, where would you land on that? I think it's definitely, it's a mixture of both. I think you have to pump up both at the same time. I think quality is the way to go, but if it takes too long, mm -hmm. then I would say quantity is the best way to do it. Cause I think at the end of the day, it's how much value you're producing um, for the end user and separating it to talk direct, like one-to-one -one with that type of prospect. We, we're in many different industries. So making sure we separate it by the smaller shops, the medium shops, the enterprise, but also like what type of industry and talk to their specific pain points. There are common pain points in the field service industry that align, but um, talking to like an HVAC shop where they, a small HVAC shop where they're starting to care about revenue and care about um, starting to scale their business and care about being more efficient um, is different than a big shop that is looking to optimize their whole, um, their whole yeah. um, business and, and whole, so. Yeah, and that makes sense. I think we, you can see that across industries too, um, for sure. So what, um, what's your tech stack look like? I'm kind of curious. Um, it's huge. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so we have Marketo's on marketing automation. Yep. Um, we have Salesforce, which I feel like everybody has Salesforce these days. Um, and um, we have Drift, we have uh, Gong, uh, we have Segment on top of everything. We have all, do you consider all the Google Analytics, Google AdWords, those are part of the tech stack? Uh, somewhat. Um, uh, we have visible. Um, we have uh, just so so many yeah, different tools I, I that know. we're I using. Could, it's crazy. I could go down a list too, to be honest. What's yeah. like the uh, the one piece that jumps out at you as like the biggest game changer? I think um, it's like the least talked about one, but I've been using Marketo and Salesforce, so I know they're they're efficient. Yeah. I know they're good, but I think um, Gong for the marketing team um, is a game changer. I think the ability for our content team and our demand gen folks to go and listen to conversations that customers are having and actually hear their pains um, at all different stages is a game changer because I think that it at the root of all marketing is customers and um, knowing them and knowing them to a deeper level. And you can hear it honestly on their voice when you, and actually talk like them when mm. you transfer that out. So I think Gong is one of the biggest game changers, even though it's not a marketing technically tool, um, it's a game changer for marketing. I know exactly what you mean. So we use, um, it's not Gong, but it's SalesLoft for specifically recording meetings and things like that uh, through a, a sales operations type of play. Um, but what's happening is like we're, we used to sit on the calls, which is a little awkward. I think um, when you have just people kind of stragglers on the outside, it's a little weird. Um, so what we've done is we just started recording the calls, um, prospecting the customer and we listen back to them and it's been invaluable. Uh, and it's definitely, Everybody talks about it. I think that's that's one of those things that maybe you've hit on your LinkedIn profile too. It's like everybody talks about listening to customers, but I think not a ton of people actually do it. 
And that could uh, be definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. I never, it, it, it's like pulling teeth. Like we, I told the marketing team and our director of demand didn't tell our marketing team like, oh, there's gong recordings on every Salesforce record. And they're like, oh, there's gong recordings. Like it just was like crazy to like, not know that people know that like they have that good resource on every yeah. record it's nuts and it's been uh and it's really cool too because they can do some reporting on the back end where it kind of gives you some sentiment analysis which is awesome but mm-hmm. um all right man so let's shift gears linkedin so uh i think you have a ton to offer here as well where you've been i mean when i first connected with you i think you were at like three or four k followers now you're at eight or nine k even i think um so let's dig into this a little bit like how are you increasing followers like that? How do you formulate your posts? What can you give us? Because I think it's been super impressive just kind of being on the sidelines and watching your rise. Um, so one thing I do is I follow people who are leaders in the industry. So like the Dave Gearhards, the Chris Walkers and stuff like that. And um, I see who likes their content and I, um, we'll go and follow some of their um, people. So mm-hmm. I will follow like 20 to 30 people a day on their stuff. Um, when I first started out, I started doing that um, mm-hmm. because they I'm posting pretty relevant content and right. they're the audience I want to um, connect with. So I started doing that. And then now um, it's becoming pretty organic as my um, posts are going pretty well Mm -hmm. um but i think at first i would recommend anybody who's on linkedin like and i wouldn't just make them blanket invitations i would have like a little note that describes why you're connecting with them um actually build like that can one-to-one connection actually take the time to do that it's not this automation where you click and follow 30 people it's actually meaningful looking at their profile seeing if they'll actually understand what you're saying um which that's what I did at first. In terms of post structure, um, uh, I just like to, it's, it's funny because people ask me all the time, do you schedule your posts? Do you do this, do you that? I'm like, no, I, I literally have notes in my phone um, and whenever I hear something cool, I will just write it down yep. uh, and the night before I would literally take one of those notes and formulate a post out of it. So nice. like I have a bunch of notes that are stemming from like earlier in my marketing career to now, some have thoughts have changed a lot since I started, but sure. that's literally how I do things. Like I just keep my, like basically my idea swipe file in my phone and take posts from that. That's a great idea. I do something similar. It's on notes. Um, same thing, little ideas here and there that some are posts, some aren't. Um, but yeah, that's a, re- that's a really good piece of advice. Um, all right, so this is really what I wanna talk to you about, uh, Dana. So like, do you think it's important for entire companies to basically get behind LinkedIn and have their employees posting regularly and, and why or why not? I think it's crucial because I think it's becoming that um, your company brand is your is your employees um and i think it shows personality like if you see companies like gong drift g2 like you see how cool the people are working for their 
they're posting their own stuff. You know, they're knowledgeable. They know they're good players. If it, at minimum, it helps like your employer brand to show like you, this is a great place to work. Yeah. At maximum, it starts actually generating huge customers. Um, and especially when like C-levels and VPs are posting, um, like Dave started at Drift and Udi's doing a gong and stuff like that. And um, Kyle Coleman's doing, um, they're all bringing this like community to their company, but also creating their employee brand at the same time. So I think it's crucial. I think there are a little, some industries that don't, but at minimum, like this is for people to grow their personal brand. So you should encourage your employees anyway to do this. Like, and if you're scared that they're going to leave, like that's more of an internal problem than a, a, um, like a, per, like every manager should strive to like grow their employees. And that's one way I think is the biggest way to grow. Um, yeah. A personal brand. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And uh, there are some companies that are excelling at this, like you said, the the gongs, the drifts, the uh, G2s. Um, even Clary, I think, is another one that jumps out. I know you're mm -hmm. close with Nick Bennett. Uh, he was also on a previous episode. Um, but they're all doing extremely well at not only um, displaying subject matter expertise, but like just raising the profile of their company. I didn't know who Clary was until I started connecting with the right people on LinkedIn. All of a sudden, they're just all up in my grill because they are just locked down as far as like employee generation uh, of their content. Um, and it's just a way better way to experience in a, a company as opposed to, for example, posting on your company profile, something that only your company cares about. I mean, you might as well let your employees speak about what's important to them. Um, let them come off as experts. And I, I think I, I did a, a quick analysis on when I started posting for my personal account and I looked at the customer gauge stats, which is, which is the company I work for, um, we didn't change anything at the company level, but when I personally started posting, we saw a 4,000% increase in visits to the company. That's crazy. Page. It's nuts. That's so crazy. it's like, that's a tough sell, right? Internally for, I think a lot of people is like, how do you convince your boss to post regularly? So I'm going to throw it back to you. Like, what have you guys experienced as a result of like outputs from LinkedIn, if any? Um, and do you think it's a legitimate business strategy as far as like revenue generation? I know for me, I mean, there's only a couple of people that service Tyson posting and I'm still trying to like plant that seed inside the company, yeah. but I, I have, there's been a lot of like recruiting, um, from it. Like people will put my name and like that they saw my post on LinkedIn and yep. they're excited to come to the company. So I think for service Titan, it's done that. I know for like um, other big brands where like the reason why service Titan is kind of hard is because there's not a lot of like plumbers and electricians and stuff like that on LinkedIn. Well, there's more than we think there are, but it's just harder to get that audience. Like for gongs and drifts, like, they're targeting salespeople and marketing people, which they are living on LinkedIn. So yeah, it's like, sure. they have the audience. Um, so some industries it's kind of harder to do that, but I still think that like it caught, like I posted a video of like something service tied and um, not like promoting or anything, but it was kind of just showing a video of like why 
it's important. The trades are important during this like COVID time. Yeah, right. And fifteen or sixteen like people in the industry like um, shared it. So it's like I was showing internally. I'm like, look, this is just from me, and I didn't even have a following at that time. Like, look what the CEO and um, the president could do, and the VPs could do if they yeah. posted. That's really cool. And I think um, the more people that do it too, there's this like almost like a network effect that happens when the, the profile just keeps getting wider and wider and wider. Like I said, I, I didn't really understand what Clary did or Gong really did. I mean, I, I knew of, of them, but I didn't really get it until I started seeing like five or six employees post on a day. And then I was like, all right, cool. That's exactly who they are and what they do. Um, but LinkedIn's interesting, man. What do you kind of see it evolving? So like, I think I have this theory um, and you're actually um, going against this theory. So just hang in there with me while I, while I spit this out. Um, mm -hmm. I think that like guys like Dave um, specifically hit LinkedIn with a playbook where not a lot of, a lot of other people were using that playbook um, like five, 10 years ago on LinkedIn. Um, and he got pretty big, pretty fast. Lemkin, Jason Lemkin's another example of that where he was like, eight years ago, he was doing all the stuff we're all doing now, which is just adding value, adding serious insights, actionable stuff, tactical all the way. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting now, at least the way I view it, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I think it's going to be tougher for people like you and I, and other marketers out there to t use that same playbook to stand out in a crowd, though, like I said, you are already doing that. You're followers have increased significantly. So that's maybe an exception to the rule. But where do you kind of see it evolving? Do you think that people can run that same playbook and be successful? Or do you think that LinkedIn will evolve to something else in the coming years? I think the playbook will be around for a year or two um, that you could people will see some growth from it. I think there's still a lot less content creators. Let me preface this like good content creators on LinkedIn. Hmm. Um, I think that it will become like Facebook did and Instagram did, meaning like the people who are influencers now are still growing, but then the people who are like smaller, it's going to just be tougher and tougher to get that reach. Um, yep. And that's because people are going to start realizing and flooding. It's just like supply and demand. Like, Right now, there's a, a lack of um, supply and there's a lot of demand um, for knowledge. And mm -hmm. I think once the the supply starts increasing and more and more people catch on, um, then I think that people will find it harder. So I feel like we're at a good time in LinkedIn right now, but yes, I don't so. think that time's going to last for long. I know even now, like some of the views are going down but i've also seen a lot of like smaller content creators go up and i think it's due to i think it's due to a couple of things i think it's due to them knowing like what content resonates to their audience mm -hmm. i think it's posting like those aha like things like oh cool i didn't know that it's posting actionable things like things that they could go and do right now to fix their business and honestly the best LinkedIn playbook to me is give away all your secrets for free. Yep. Um, that's like the best. 
like give away your strategies, give away your everything you know for free. And and the funny part is that probably ninety five percent of people won't even take action on it. So, um, but at least you're you're the, the, you're helping that five percent do yeah. something with it. Um, so. This episode of Marketing Strategy Talks is sponsored by the leading B2B customer experience software on the market, Customer Gauge. Honest question here. So how many of you listening are involved in your customer experience in some way, shape, or form? Or as Customer Gauge likes to call it for B2B, the account experience. As marketers, I'm guessing you all play a role to some extent, whether it be helping to create the experience itself, making special marketing offers to promoters, or maybe even just collecting comments from the feedback program to use in your marketing collateral. And if the experience world is miles away from your marketing world, I would challenge you and say it probably shouldn't be. At every company I've worked for, the top converting source for marketing leads was, drum roll please, that's right, customer referrals. Not only that, they closed faster and for more money. Pretty crazy, right? So Customer Gauge not only lets you identify the right customers or accounts to ask for these referrals, but it also gives marketers a bunch of amazing tools to hypercharge their marketing efforts, like review collection and automatic publication to review sites, in-app experience pop-ups, experience swap charts that let you identify which accounts are at risk of churn or maybe could use that special marketing offer. It's no secret by now that creating a remarkable experience for your accounts can hypercharge growth for many, many companies. If your company is leveraging account-based marketing and sales strategy and software, wouldn't it make sense to align those efforts with an account-based customer growth strategy? and software? We think so. That's exactly what Customer Gauge is. It's an account-based customer growth software specifically made from the bottom up for B2B experiences. So why don't you join companies like DHL, Anheuser-Busch, Heineken, uh, yeah, we get a good amount of free beer, I guess. Iron Mountain, One Login, let me pick up these names here real quick, H&R Block, SuperOffice, and Sugar CRM, who are already leveraging the power of account experience to grow their accounts faster. You should too. Go to customerengage.com and check out account experience right now. You won't regret it. And you mentioned Facebook and I'm going to do a complete 180. So I apologize, um, but I'm kind of curious. So you guys are service Titan. Um, you must be crushing it on Facebook ads now. I'm just guessing. Yeah, that, depend- we're crushing on Facebook ads. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say your demo must live on Facebook. And what's your like average ticket, would you say? Um, so average, it's probably one thousand three hundred per deal like monthly recurring revenue Um, and we actually pretty have a so we actually at first were struggling a little bit of facebook before i got on there and i when i came in like that was one of my big focuses to increase that channel so we actually the last three months we like 3x like the deals on that channel um so and it was before it was before it was due to little tweaks. It was like better audience targeting. Um, we started getting creative. That was more native to platforms. We started showing more content, top of funnel and less like asking. Um, we had some offers come in, which offers are great um, to get people that initial interest. Um, I still think like the content play on Facebook is great. Like you can, we get a, I think three fifty dollar, three dollar fifty, um, cost per subscriber to like our blog from Facebook, which is insane. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. The, so, um, and that's something we want. We want people just to get gain value from our, our 
So, but at the end of the day, like revenue is the the, the mark. So, um, the when I say three x, it's three x the revenue of that channel, not three x like the leads. So I want to preface that like three yeah. x leads. Um, uh, it was revenue. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I talked to uh, my previous episode was Dylan Hay. He runs like PPC for a lot of different SaaS companies, and um, we're we're in the process of figuring that out as well. We have a, a pretty decent flow of leads from Facebook. Um, we just haven't quite gotten them to consistently convert yet, so we're trying to mm -hmm. like over qualify at the top. Um, we've tried LinkedIn in the past; it's just way too expensive, especially with for our audience. Um, Tried Google, it's more expensive, converts better, uh, but still pretty pricey based off of our comp competition. So it's pretty um, pretty heated as far as the company spending money. We're up against some just companies that are in the billions of dollars in revenue. So. I'm interested about that because like, I think we crush on Google and I think we crush on Google because our brand is so strong mm -hmm. um, and like, I think like, cause we're like known in the industry. So people know about us and that's why we crush a group. So yeah. I think like one of the best, like, and just segmenting onto what you're saying is like, like you can run as many ads, but like branding literally helps so much when it comes to every channel, like, especially like the high intense searches, like mm -hmm. people are looking for, like when you say, search for a certain type of software and that name comes up and you recognize that name, it's like, okay, I, I want to um, go with it, check this company out. Um, exactly. And I, and I think that's the power of brand, man. I mean, right there, exactly yeah. what you said is like, it kind of reduces the barriers to, uh, to make that first interaction. I think our, our company specifically, it's, we're not well known, I would say, but we're, we're smallish compared to our competition. So we're doing like longer tail keywords just because we're getting priced out of the bigger ones. But um, yeah, it is interesting, like how big of a lover brand can be. We were um, doing some like uh, physical events right before COVID hit that were really starting to pick up momentum. We had like a couple hundred people show up and um, we had some really good speakers from like Salesforce and Anheuser-Busch and things like that. So brand is, is definitely big. We're struggling to, uh, utilize that online, I think, without getting priced out of the market. So that's kind of like the kind of just juxtaposition we're in right now. Uh, but Facebook has been super cheap. Um, so to your point, $3.50 for a, a subscriber, that's, that's unheard of, man. That's really cheap. Yeah. And I think, I think um, Chris Walker says this all the time. Um, but like the content play on Facebook is like, one of the best plays because one, it's cheap. Two, it's like guiding your buyer to the right place. And three, it's just like some people, like let's, everybody looks at like, okay, we have like a one to 2% conversion on your website, right? So, but like that means like at least like 90% of the people, some are customers are coming to your site, but at least 90% of the people aren't ready to buy or um, not there yet so yep. that's why it's so important as that content top of one and i think that that's why we're like hitting hard on the subscriber side of it and trying to just like do it and then retarget them with more content on facebook and then also use email as a great channel um to nurture yeah. them and send them more content i'm still blown away by how big email is i mean it's so important man like building that list is just one of those things that i don't think is going away anytime soon it's just so impactful and it's so funny to me. It's like 
I one thing I'm not the biggest fan on, and people give me a little hate is gated content, but I think like subscribing to your blog is the way to go, but or like subscribing to like a tool that you produce for something. Um, but I think like there's nothing like owned real estate. Um, yeah. Like the, the thing is like you could take like say Marketo shut down tomorrow. Um, you could take that email list and go to HubSpot. You yep. take that email, but you can't take like I if I if LinkedIn shut up tomorrow, I couldn't take eight thousand people who are connected with me to somewhere else if I don't have them as emails or phone numbers or somewhere else. Shout out to uh, was it Phantom Blaster? I don't know if you've heard of that tool. Uh, no, I haven't. What is yeah, that? You might want to check that out. So Phantom Blaster is like one of the cooler tools in the marketplace. Shout out to uh, I think it was Adam Goyet from old G2 CMO that basically does, he's doing like an office hours thing. He turned me on to it, but it was basically a program that scrapes LinkedIn, uh, but they have a bunch of really kind of unique, think of like Zapier recipes, um, mm -hmm. but it's like LinkedIn specific scraping recipes. Like you can scrape everybody that liked your post and get an email or match it to an email. I mean, it's, it's pretty badass. Definitely check it out. But oh, I want to check that out. Yeah, you might want to look into it. Um, I haven't actually used it myself, but he seemed pretty confident. It was it was pretty great. So it's enough for me. But nice, man. So all right, let's come to the close here. We're coming on the half hour. Um, if you had to name one book uh, that has had the biggest impact on you as a marketer, what would it be? I would say Influence um, by Cialdini. Cialdini. I think like. I think what changed my aspect in marketing is I was thinking so much with like tools when I started and thinking so much about like quick hacks and I admitted like I was that type of market trying to, cause I didn't know better to just yep. try to find a way to get as many people in the door as possible. And then when I started learning about actually like how people like buy and adding these little things to just show them, the, the, to convince them to become the customer in a good way and show them like what they need. Um, I think it is helping. Yeah, that's a great book. Definitely recommend that to anybody listening. Um, that's in my top 10 for sure. Um, all right. So one of the last things I like to do is this thing called word association. So like imagine you're in like this uh, psychiatrist chair, leather, and you're leaning back. If I say these words, what are like the two or three things that you would like words that you would associate with them or just a quick kind of phrase. You ready for this? Cool. Yeah. All right, marketing operations. I would say operate efficiently. Marketo. Powerful automations. HubSpot. User friendly. All right. Drift. Quality conversations. LinkedIn. The 2012 Facebook. <laughs> nice. Email. Um, Best marketing channel. MQL. Overrated metric. There you go. And uh, Service Titan. I would just say it's a service software. Nice. Um, the first thing to come to mind, yeah. So Daniel, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for joining up. Where can people find you? Uh, let's shout out the, uh, the plugs. LinkedIn, um, that's where I'm most active on. Um, and then all my social channels are dmer68, but I mostly active on LinkedIn. So connect with me there if you want to 
um, have a conversation or anything. I'm always down to talk to people. And definitely uh, put a recommendation out there for a follow on his LinkedIn. He's piping out content on the daily, um, all super valuable stuff. Please go follow him right now. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much, man. It's been insightful. Love having you on this thing. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you.